We are here with Richard Horvitz. What's it like being a voice actor here at Rock and Shop? Talking to Mr. The Dome. Spooty, spoot, spoot. E, eh, eh, e, eh, e. Yes. E. Hello. Hi. I am Zim. Yes, yes. You're part of the collective now. Muscular beaver, whoosh. Just kidding. It's being like this. Hi, I'm a voice actor here at Rock and Shock for Sci-Fi Saturday Night. Could we have a better intro than that? Yes, you could not. Sci-Fi Saturday Night. We will begin a mass invasion. Tell your people to surrender now and avoid war. Don't think you get me so easily. It is now time for us to put Earth under our roof. It's your sacred duty to tell us the truth. Confess, confess that you will give you witchcraft. You think me to believe that you can overrun the entire world? We cannot be defeated. We have never been defeated. That is the message. Yeah, they're dead. They're all messed up. Bye-bye Saturday night. Good evening, everybody, and welcome once again to another Area 51 recording of Sci-Fi Saturday Night. The only podcast to guarantee that if you listen real hard, you get to hear stuff. And tonight, we're going to hear some really odd stuff. I guarantee you, because I've been reading the book, I've been checking out the guy. This week... I'm just going to let you in on before we do anything else, before I introduce anybody, before we do anything. Last week, I told you, was one of the most difficult books I've read in maybe five years. This one, not so much. But I like them both for very, very different reasons. We'll get into that in just a little bit. Um, But it's another uh, semi-quarantine evening here in Area 51. Fun with masks. And uh, I, I'm going in to get my booster, uh, I think, tomorrow. So I will feel properly vaccinated. Unlike that schmuck in Green Bay, I'm not even going to talk about that. But can't tell you how much money I lost on FanDuel. Not going to talk about that either. What I am going to say is uh, down at the Snickersnack Bar, once again, is Commander Cam. How are you doing at the old gerbil wheel? Oh, I'm doing quite good. I've just finished oiling it up, making sure that it runs good. The Snicker Snack Bar is going well. Um, you wouldn't believe how much business I'm doing for the uh, kelp-flavored Snickers. Really? They're going well, are they? Oh, they're going. They're selling like hotcakes. And speaking of hotcakes, I've also got the uh, soy-based hotcakes. Those are doing exceedingly well. That'd be better um, and- if they sold like soy-based snickersnacks but they're not they're selling like hotcakes which means you know we're going to get sued for misrepresentation if we're not careful well you know that's just long as they don't realize that everything's soil and green you know we're good well they say the soil and green is people i choose to believe otherwise what i think it is is recycled kale uh, which has to be one of the most disgusting thoughts in the universe but that's a whole different story uh Anyhow, um, for those of you who have listened to the podcast for the last years, and it's been a while uh, that you've had to put up with my voice uh, and my thoughts and my ideas and my concepts and 
my likes and my dislikes. Uh, one of my very favorite writers uh, who nobody knows anything about is a guy by the name of Ron Goulart, who was one of those weird niche science fiction writers who you opened the book and you started giggling. And from the moment you started reading the book, it was like joke after pun, after pun, after joke, after pun. And if you missed 10 of them, you were still only on page 20. And it didn't really matter. And you got to the last five pages of the book and you went, how the hell is he going to wrap this up? I've only got five pages left. And then you went, son of a bitch, he did it. And then you went scouring bookstores looking for his next book. And for maybe 10 years of my life, I scoured bookstores all over New England to find as many of his books as I could find. And one day he just stopped writing and I never heard of him again. And I think I owned for a while every book he ever wrote. And there were like gazillions of them. Ron, if you're listening out there, uh, God, I miss you. Um, but t- tonight, um, yeah, it's a whole different kind of story. Tonight, we get to meet a whole different kind of guy uh, who's written a book that in some ways is very much that same kind of book in a very different way. Uh, I'd like to welcome to Sci-Fi Saturday Night a guy who is so eclectic, I can't even wrap my head around it. But we're going to give it a shot tonight. Uh, let's welcome uh, our author for the night, Paul Bahu. Paul, welcome to Sci-Fi Saturday Night. Hey, thanks for having me. Um, so, <laughs> um, the title of your book is Sunset Distortion, though. Or were you going for a uh, dramatic pause? No, no. I'm waiting for somebody to say what the title of the book is. Oh, okay. All right. There you go. (laughs) Go for it, Cameron. Sunset Distortion. And the the pyramid at the end of the world. Oh, yes. Forgot all about that. Yes. That's the subtitle, The Pyramid at the End of the World. And so uh, I I opened the book or actually clicked on the PDF, all truth being told. And... Like I said, last week we had this really, really hard science fiction book. And it was a grind. It was a great book. Don't get me wrong. It was a great book. Um, and, and I loved it to death. And I told the author how how much of a grind it was, but how much I loved it. And then I, I opened it up. I opened up your book. And I just... <clears throat> started giggling and and yeah, paul it was it was interesting paul because i came from that hard science fiction book and i'm going to your book and i'm expecting more hard science fiction and i'm going what's this and then all of a sudden it does me oh no this is not hard science fiction and then i joined dome and laughing and oh my lord i don't think i stopped it was just it is such a wonderful fun just just absolutely out there kind of book. Just loved it. Well, this, thank you. This is really not, for all intents and purposes, 
um, anything more than the Marx Brothers in outer space in a lot of ways. Because it's every gag you can think of in science fiction. It's it's like it's to science fiction. I mean, it's it's the same science fiction as Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, where it's just it's 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 some of the most ludicrously wonderful and funny and fantastic, you know, science fiction that you just, you know, there's no there's no scientific basis and you just don't care because you just you dive in and you just you love it. You know, you get you, you find out the whole universe speaks English just because. Well, I mean, there's reasons, but I don't want to get into the t- too many details. But it's just it's so fantastic, you know, that it, that you have so much depth into this this wonderful book. Well, thank you. Uh, and uh, one, one of the things that I love is that there's almost a plausible explanation for almost everything. Almost. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's just enough to where. It's okay. I, 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 in writing this book, I tried not to allow chance to be the reason why anything happened. Nothing is happens just because it happened. There's a reason behind every detail in the book. Well, there's kind of a reason that everybody speaks English in the universe. Yeah, and, in, in, in that in that galaxy, yeah. And that same kind of reason is the same reason that everybody on the planet in a movie speaks sounds like they came from England, and nobody really understands why. They just do. Yeah. <laughs> and if you accept that fourth wall, you accept the fourth wall you put up, and it works great. Now, I need to ask you about one of your main characters. Shoot. Laser. Now, I worked in the music industry for a while. You worked in the music industry for a while. Yes. We both know him. Oh, yeah. (laughs) We both get with this guy. Or been involved in any kind of music scene, you've met this guy. You've met him. You probably well, had a band with him at one point or another. Or took t- t- taking guitar lessons from him. <laughs> now, which which leads me to an interesting point. Uh, this is your first book. Yes, it's my first novel. But this was never supposed to really be a novel, was it? Uh, no. So originally, so the story is is a story about Laser, who played played in an '80s thrash metal band on the Sunset Strip. Almost made it, but didn't. Settled into a life of, of playing bar mitzvahs and weddings and cover shows but never quite gave up on the dream. And so he still lives his life like he's 20, playing in a band, even though the guy is, you know, knee-deep in his 40s and doesn't really have the, you know, stamina or body to kind 
kind of live that lifestyle, but he's still doing it. It's what he knows. And uh, he's not an unhappy guy, but that's his life. And I, you know, I had a good friend who kind of had some of those elements and I was in college and I was wrapping up my, my degree and I took a creative writing class. And I said, I always enjoyed writing. Let me take an actual class. And when we had to write a short story. So I kind of did a little fish out of water story about, uh, you know, rough version of my friend getting abducted by space aliens. Like, what would it be if this guy was just with, with all of his oddness and all of his uh, peculiarities, like just boom, put him in outer space? How would he react to that situation? And so I wrote it as a as a short story for the class. Got an A. Thank you very much. And uh, ended up turning it into a comic with a friend. And it never really got off the ground. And uh, so it, it just kind of sat idle. And the story just sat in my on my hard drive for years and years and years. And I was and one day, you know, I was I'd been playing in bands and doing tours and all that stuff. And then my my last my most recent band broke up. And I couldn't find some new new players. And I was just like, man, I want to do something creative, but I hate working with people. What should I do? And so I was <laughs> like, you know, I got this story. I'm going to turn it into a novel. And so for five years, I took a short story that had been turned into a comic book and just fleshed it out, breathed life into the universe, and turned it into a book. So it was supposed to be a comic, but I'm happy that it didn't go that route that we weren't successful when we first took a stab at it because I feel the story is just radically better and more interesting with the uh, space that a novel gives you. And it, but it's really funny knowing reading it and then knowing that it started as a comic book that I can see it now as a graphic novel Yes, in, in, in a way that I could never not having known that beforehand that it that visually when when and it's 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 hard to put this into terms but i know a lot of writers who write in very graphic terms um and who have taken their novels and their short stories and turned them into amazingly beautiful graphic novels or or long form comic books over over a series of five or six comics, um, and uh, wow, this sorry, but this would really work out well like that. <laughs> well, someday if someone wants to do it, I won't stop them. But I mean, you know, it, it, it's it's really funny because I, I I'm an older guy. So this this took me back, you know, guys like Laser took me back to the 70s, which was well before thrash metal. Um, <laughs> when I knew guys like this and was playing with guys like this in in uh, in, in in the Northeast, and uh, I was actually able to put names to people like that. Uh, and then, then I realized in looking through your biography that they, there was a group called the infamous they. Yeah. That you played that with. My last band. And uh, so I started checking out your music. 
some really cool stuff from uh, from a while back. Yeah, thanks. Um, yeah, the infamous day was I had a band called Inverse that I was putting records out and touring with, and that was the one that uh, you know so, so it, when when you write a book, some of your story and some of your you know your experiences just work their way into the characters' experiences, right? You work you 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 write from experience, and definitely one of the things I experienced was that. You almost made it. You're on the doorstep. You're on the cusp, and then it just fizzles out. Like I definitely experienced that, and um, that kind of the disappointment that comes with it. And so when that that band, I was an inverse that you know the almost made it band. We broke up. I was like, ah, I still this is my life. This is my identity. This is who I am. I want to play music, and I was I still had a day job and everything. But um, I so I started the infamous day with my girlfriend, who's now my wife, and my brother. And then we got a couple of other players. And so we put out that one record and I was right working on the next one. We're having a lot of fun, but when you have six people in a band, it's hard to keep that ship sailing in a straight line. And after my wife and I got married, like half of the band moved out of state. And so it was like, oh, geez. It's now it's difficult. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's one thing to replace one person, but when you're trying to replace three people, you, you, you lose that kind of special sauce. And I, I started replacing people and the, the new people weren't showing up, up and that's where I kind of got frustrated and said, ah, to hell with this all. I'm writing a book. That's what I did. <laughs> but it's still, you know, it's still that part of it worked itself into the book as well. Absolutely. It it clearly did. And uh, yeah, the infamous and, they kind of had a weird concept behind it. This, I I am, and Ben, I'm sorry, but we're going to talk about the whole you, if that's okay. Yeah, sure. Because uh, let's face, th- I'm then here. You, you have your own company. Correct. And, and I own a recycling business called Global Plastics Recycling. And we take uh, recycled bottles and we turn them into this ground up wash flake stuff uh, that gets used and turned into new food packaging or pelletized and turned into new bottles. We're kind of like that hidden middle step in the chasing arrows. And where did, cool. that, where did that come from? Uh, so um, our dad was in the recycling industry and he started a business when we were when we were young and he started his own business. He's an immigrant. He came he came here from uh, from Beirut, Lebanon. And uh, yeah, got into that industry and started a business and just bought a couple of grinders. And my brother and I have been working for them since since we were young. My first job was sorting through recycled bottles when I was 15 years old. And uh, a story like my dad always likes to tell is it was my first job. I was 15. I was ready to go. And he was, he was pointing at one of his he was pointing at me. I was under the conveyor belt, like digging through bottles and everything. And he was telling his uh, the general manager, like, wow, look at my son. He's working so hard, digging under there, hands and knees, getting these bottles out of the conveyor. And then I pop up with a pocket full of caps because there was a, a promotion, you know, for free sodas. So I was just under under there unscrewing all the bottle caps and uh, taking the caps <laughs> for free sodas. And I said, you know, I just know how to maximize the value of my time. You, yep. You want that in a, in a person, right? So, so no, so I mean, I, 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 after out of college, I wrote grants and so helped the family, build the family business up. And so I've been writing as a career, just dry stuff. 
And, and you know, so I wrote wrote a bunch of grants to the state. We got we got state funding. We expanded it. We you know uh, uh, tried to figure you know solve some of the issues in recycling in state, and we just grew the business from there. And then my brother and I took over one of the sides, and we built our own kind of business within the family business, which was like uh, sustainability for bottling plants and manufacturers can go in there, show them how to handle their recyclables, buy it, process it, or flip things on the open market. Um, fun stuff. So now that, yeah, now we're doing that. We have two facilities and we're growing. We survived COVID. Thank the Lord. Woo. Um, that was really rough. It's hard to recycle when everyone's closing down the recycling centers, but we got through it. Hey, anything that survives COVID these days is a win. Yeah, absolutely. So we got through it. No, no major outbreaks. The company, you know, we kept people safe. We have, you know, really stringent, like social distancing and station bleaching and all that stuff. So we have about 100 employees at our California location and maybe like 30 at our Dallas plant. And uh, no, we never had to shut down due to COVID one time. Everyone, anyone that got COVID had it from outside and we just wouldn't let them come in. So we're really happy about that. I mean, that's a really stressful thing when you're everyone's health safety is kind of on your shoulders you really have to you know you worry about it sure wakes you up in the middle of the night you think about it a lot sure so all of this kind of comes together for you in in this book because you know as the more i dove into who paul who is the more I began to realize how much of him is is a part of this book. I mean, you know, how many different parts of what Paul is got thrown into the, <clears throat> shall we say, grinder of this book? Every single anecdote Laser tells about his, like, band mishaps were just things that happened to me, like, almost almost crashing on a tour through when passing through Idaho on black eyes. That was me. Um, yeah. All sorts of different stuff. Um, it's, it's just, yeah, you take, you take your own life and you, and you know, you know, sometimes truth stranger than fiction, right? You take your own life and you just kind of apply it. So basically you write what you know. Absolutely. I mean, I haven't been abducted by, by you know, space missionaries and uh, kidnapped by pirates or, you know, dealt with anything like that. But, you know, it's uh, <laughs> I, if, if one were to assume, <laughs> maybe that's how it would go. We, we don't know that for sure yet. Remember, I, I live, I live uh, not far from where Betty and Barney Hill were uh, abducted. So I'm not I'm not saying that didn't happen. Yeah, right. Well, um, I've never been abducted by aliens, so uh, that part isn't true. Okay. To, okay. To the okay. Ex- to the extent of my knowledge, right? Although I do yeah. have a really big fear of being abducted after watching Fire in the Sky when I was in middle school. That movie. Oh, the Travis uh, Walton. Where, where with like with the, you know the needles coming in the eye. Yep. <laughs> oh. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, man, I slept on my parents' floor for like two weeks after that. I was like, I'm not sleeping in my room. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I got a sleeping bag right here. Hey, they want you. They're going to come and get you. It doesn't matter. It That's doesn't true. matter. I think 
movie made that one really clear. Yeah, sometimes I guess you just accept your fate, right? So, needless to say, from our perspective, A, uh, this is a really oddly fun book in many ways that I could go into when, uh, you know, when you ask questions like, what's an octopus? Well, it's kind of like you with less space. Or <laughs> how many humans does it take to build a, th- a pyramid? Three, stupid. How many do you exactly. think? <laughs> you know, and it's, you know, it's just filled with just moments of absurd wonderfulness. The most important part being, Dome, it has Gorlack, the magnificently amazing. Yeah. Oh, oh he's great, isn't he? Yes. Yes. Well, he's magnificent and amazing. He's I mean, how much more can you want? Yes. Right. Right. Um, yeah. I, so my approach to this book, you know, because, you know, we've all read like hard sci-fi or watched movies with hard sci-fi. Yep. And I, I wanted it to be something that someone who doesn't really engage with science fiction could follow. And so I, it, 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 it's a character driven story more than anything. It's less about, you know, laser, you know, like all the aliens and ephemera around this abduction story than it is about the story of laser and kind of him coming to, you know, coming to understand just the kind of rut he was stuck in in his life. And, you know, before you can become a better person, you have to understand there's a problem in the first place. And so through the story, I tried to guide him uh, on this journey of just kind of understanding like who he is and where he's at in life and why he's there in the first place. Why did he get to this point? Why did he get to the point where he's in his mid forties, doesn't have any close relationships, no, you know, no family, no nothing. And he just kind of stuck in neutral, like what causes, why is he here? And then once he kind of starts understanding that to a greater degree, just because he was pulled out of this kind of, you know, fishbowl swimming in circles, you know, enjoying the view, why, you know, it, getting him out of that so he can understand that, oh, maybe I can be a different person. And, you know, there's more to life than just playing shows and hooking up with chicks, you know? Do you ever think it was kind of a buddy movie of like Laser and Struck? Street? Oh, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. It's, 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 it's 100% a buddy comedy. It's, they, they, they both need each other. They, you know, they have wildly different personalities and energies, but each of them brings something to the table that pulls a little bit of something out of each other and allows them to kind of grow. Yep. And so, yeah. Man, this, this, this book is more fun than I've had in a long time reading a book. At any number of levels, at any any book that can make me smile on virtually every page and and not make me care if it makes any sense or not, just just because it's fun. uh, Is just enjoyable in more ways than any book that I've read in an awful long time. And, you know, that's a gift you just don't give away. That's just just 
hard work, dedication, and a sense of stupidity you can't you can't work at. You have to have. <laughs> and I can't thank you enough, Paul. I just you, can't thank you enough. I need you to put that all down in the uh, review uh, comments on my Amazon page, please. <laughs> oh, right, well, that. <laughs> somebody damn well better. My my next question is, what's next? Are you you got something else in the in in the hopper? Is the brain working overtime for something? Absolutely. So you know, this is like the side gig off of my side gig, and you know, I I, I talk to a lot of other artists, authors, and people like this is what I do, and you know, like like we touched on, like I run a company, and that's you know that I, I love it. I love my day job. You know, people say, oh, when the lottery, I'll quit. Like no way. I I get I love sustainability. It's something I believe in. I think everyone likes to bark a lot on the internet about. There are different pet issues, but this is something I actually can help make a change, a positive one. And so I really enjoy it, and I get a lot of satisfaction from it. And and that part of my life isn't going anywhere. And then I, my wife and I just had a uh, a baby boy in March, and we have a three and a half year old daughter. So my hands been definitely very busy with the kids. So like writing books and all this, this is what I do in my time in between. After I put the kids to bed, I'll go write or have some time early in the morning. I'll write or you know, if everything's working good in the operation and I have nothing to worry, no, I'm on top of my emails. I'll just close my office door and write for a little bit. So I just, I make sure that I always get a chance to work on it. And so right now I'm about 50,000 words into book two of the Sunset Distortion series. It's going to be five books. And so I'm on book two of that. Uh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, uh, so book two, I'm hoping end of next year I can have it out. Uh, I, I'm kind of uh, particular on my editing. I will write the book. I will have the draft. And then I will go through it and I will just change a bunch of stuff. And then I'll go through it and, I, and I'll go through this process ten times, you know, uh, beating it against the rock, getting it exactly to where I want it, uh, molding the clay. And that's, that's I guess, it's just my process. So, um I'm not the kind of person that just cranks it out and then they got a new book every three months. Like that's not my style at all. I try to make sure that it's not just about laser story, but it's all the other stories inside that story as well that need to be fleshed out. Um, like in this, in the first novel, uh, Dex, the president and CEO of Pyrotech, you know, I spent a lot of time just writing her story and even a bunch of stuff that didn't even make it into the book, but you know, just to understand her as a character and to give her life. There, you there know, are a lot of secondary characters in this and, book that that deserve some uh, some time of their own for sure. Right, right. And so I didn't know how to really approach that, and it turned into it. Were originally like there was just the back two thirds of the book was just a bunch of stuff about the other characters, and then I broke it up and I weaved it into the story more, and then it kind of ended with like that format where it's like one chaser one. One chapter laser, one chapter the B story, one chapter laser, one chapter the B story that it ended up as. And the second book is following that kind of format. Well, do us a favor, Paul, when when book two in the the chronicles of the the Great Pyramid uh, are ready to go. uh, Shoot us an email because we'd. uh, We'd love to have you back. I'd love to read it, and I'd love to sit and talk to you about it. 
Yeah, well, absolutely. I mean, I'm just getting started. I'm doing this all by myself. I'm a one-man band. So, uh, you know, right now, if you want to hit me up, find me on uh, Facebook. Uh, just it's Paul Ba who writes. I have a webmaster who's building a website for me right now. I'm definitely, you know, I don't have my whole machine in place. Uh, this is, you know, the thing I do when I have, have you know. Oh, you know what I wanted to ask you? Who did, who, did the, who did the cover for the book? So the cover is my very talented friend, Wes Strother. He was my comic book artist. And it was just, the burden was too much for him to just do the whole book by himself. And so I said, no, no problem, man. We're still friends. And so years and years later, I said, hey, I turned this to a novel. I'd be honored if you do the cover. And he's like, absolutely. So he did the cover. Nice. He's, he's currently work. He's going to be doing all the artwork for the website. He's going to be doing some other artwork. We're going to have uh, some T-shirts out and stuff. And he's he's he is my artist for this project. So um, he, he's he's in it. He's excited. And we're going to have just the, like that cover. That's going to be the. Uh, I want to say the vibe. That you're going to see for this uh, universe. I was going to say, because his style, that cover, just it, the the art that he did on that cover encapsulates exactly how I would want to see this if this ever became a, a graphic novel, yeah. you know, or, or animated, completely animated. I could see this completely animated in a style like Aeon Flux, I think oh, yeah. could fit it, the, the people that did that could do an amazing job, you know, bringing this to life in animation. That was the kind of imagery that I got when I read this was those kind of images. I just thought it would, it would, it fit what you wrote so well. So yeah, I mean, I just, that cover was absolutely amazing. I like that you said that my, you know, my vibe I was always going for was remember the eighties movie, heavy metal. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Like heavy metal meets a on flux with a ton of jokes like that. Yeah. That's kind of where it's at. That's that's the pocket it sits in. If Heavy Metal and Mel Brooks had a son. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. There's <laughs> a lot of that kind of that kind of humor, just oddball, you know, kind of dwelling on the the, the bizarre and, uh, and 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 just yeah, like you like you like the like the joke, you know, how many humans does it take to build a pyramid? Three, you stack them. Uh, that's it's Taking that kind of approach to, you know, alien abduction stories, I, de I definitely wanted to uh, do take it from a different different angle, for sure. There's a book out there, and if you, if you want to read about the Galactic Union in a way that you've you've never ever thought about it before, and you want to get to learn about space in a way that eh, you've never really had a chance to the name of the book is sunset distortion the pyramid at the end of the universe we've been talking to the author paul bahu and god you know i hope that we get to talk to him a hell of a lot more because he's a crap load of fun to talk to and he's written this really cool book you ought to read Paul, thanks a lot for talking with us tonight, man. Gentlemen, thank you for having me. I would be honored to come back when I got something, uh, something else uh, out about. Well, well even if you, you just it. want to sit and talk, come on by, shoot us an email. We'd love to have you on. Hey, sounds like a plan. Take care. Thank you.
Hey, thanks guys. Sci-Fi Saturday Night is the official podcast of Granite Con, Plastic City Comic Con, and the Upper Valley Comic Expo. We are also sponsored by Dreamforge Magazine, a superb magazine of fantasy and science fiction, and Comic Art House. Visit Comic Art House for some of the best deals on original art from dozens of your favorite artists. And if you're looking for a really great gift book for that rapidly approaching semi-annual Fairbanks Melt Day celebration, consider a look at Sci-Fi Saturday Night's first anthology, My Peculiar Family, now on Amazon and barnesandnoble.com. My Peculiar Family, the audiobook, is available on Audible, because I'm not sure where else you could find it. Our intro production was provided by Rob Watts. For more of his amazing stuff, just look at robwattsonline.com. And don't forget to try the Watts sauce. We have, we love it. Our outro was provided by Lawrence Made Me Cry. You can find Lawrence Made Me Cry's music on Bandcamp. And a whole lot of love to Jojo and Celine. Many thanks to the gang from his booking books. Thank you, Captain Cam. This is Dome saying, Terry and Jeannie shared pain as lessons, shared joy increased. Thus, do we all refute entropy? Better things are coming, Stacy. Stay strong, Liz. So, unless it's daytime, good night, everybody. There once was a girl from Nantucket. Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. This is my brother, Yako.